Well, we're going to get right into Laguna Beach, KXFM Radio. This is Craig, and uh, it's uh, Saturday, and it's time for Rainbow Radio. Yes, we're glad you're here. Another uh, interesting weather report uh, this time. It's, um, we've, well, let me first say, for the last two days, I've been circling around Laguna Beach, and I have to say, 70 degrees and just beautiful we are so blessed here uh, we got to kick ourselves pinch ourselves we got to say this is so wonderful uh and uh yeah it when you when you have those painful gas bills and which are very small all things considered uh you got to look at the weather and think how grateful we are to to be here um, here in wonderful Laguna Beach. The weather, though, let's get on with it. Sun and clouds mixed. High is 59. Winds are south, southeast. 10 to 15 miles an hour today. So 59 is the high. Not bad. Has 73% humidity. Tonight will be the low. Will be around 51. Considerable cloudiness. Occasional rain showers after midnight. Then let's get into uh, Saturday. I mean, excuse me. This is Saturday. Sunday. Uh, it's showers and uh, at 44% chance of showers. Same on Monday. Uh, Tuesday, sunny, very sunny. <laughs> sunny, partly cloudy, partly cloudy, sunny, sunny, uh, partly cloudy, partly cloudy. So it's a mix of sunny and partly cloudy throughout the week. Temperatures in the high 60s, mid to high 60s. So um, I guess that you could say it's... Um, kind of typical for this time of year and like i said we are blessed with um fabulous weather how did your week go <laughs> mine went uh went very fast i'm not sure why but i <clears throat> but i survived we had our our gathering at the club q at the uh, suzy q yesterday evening for um some Roshus bingo <laughs> sounds i know Doesn't that sound exciting but we're, we're working on it <laughs> we're talking about road trips to la and um some fun things so yeah i won't if you're not familiar with club q it is a organization with ages ranging 18 to the moon at the um suzy q here in laguna beach it's been around for about four years club q five years maybe and we do monthly events and we're looking for a bright summer and speaking of bright i i feel like uh this 2023 you know it's like <laughs> they look at the stock market and all the old boys are saying oh it's gloom and doom and all the young <laughs> all the young investors and uh entrepreneurs are thinking what are you talking about <laughs> unemployment is at its lowest uh the GDP is at its highest in so many years. All these indicators that say that things are good are, are showing good, except the old boys. And I hate to say it, I guess um, they've had to, uh, like at Straub and, and uh, some of the old investment firms have had to uh, lay off um, staff. What's, what's part of what's happening is they opened it up so you can have uh, a consumer, they call, they like to call them, non-professional, they call them. Investors can now invest in the stock market. Another thing that the internet has profoundly changed our world. And so there's uh, tons and tons of investors that have, um, you know, maybe they've got uh, 
5,000, maybe they've got 50,000, maybe they've got half a million in the stock market. But there's a multitude of them, so it adds up. And it's um, the old boys, uh, investment firms, um, some of their uh, metrics are not so applicable these days because there's uh, another generation of investors that I, I feel are, are, are uh, tossing a, uh, aside the old dynamics, the old, um, <laughs> the old rules of investing for a whole new dynamics and a whole new attitude. And they got, they've got their finger on the pulse, let me tell you. And so those investors, um, while they keep getting dissed and <laughs> told they don't know anything, and, and in some cases, they make some horrible mistakes, I'm sure. But um, they're out there, and they've changed the world. So some, it's in the, the news today with um, one of the um, several of the chief, chief executives had to take, uh, well, first of all, they laid off thousands of staff. I don't know if it was Schwab or one of the, I can't remember which ones. I'm sorry. But they, their chief executive's compensation, which is on average on a national level, is 399-fold times more than the standard employee salary for the various companies. So if it's a big company, say like, um, I don't know, like I guess you could say IBM. I don't know. That's, that's an easy one. Or say uh, AT&T Cellular. The top executives get 399 times more compensation than their line employees. And so recently they've had to, <laughs> they've had to cut their salary. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, pshaw. <laughs> well, what's happening is when uh, dividends and earnings are down for these companies, the shareholders say, uh, why are um, our executives, you know, eating caviar and rolling in dough and we're losing money? You know, um, you know, you need to take a have a haircut as well. Uh, you can't just cut the staff and, you know. So I, I don't know. I found that very interesting what's going on. Uh, and I guess I'm always suspect that, that, that there's a reason why the, uh, the economy is being slowed. But anyway, I don't, uh, I think it is being slowed. I think it's like, it's like the season. The winter comes along and uh, things fall back and wither away. And then the spring, there's a whole new, and I think this is spring. I think, <laughs> really and really. <laughs> Spring in economy lasts probably, uh, I don't know, eight or ten years, maybe maybe less. And uh, spring in our, our year is a year. But I digress as I go on. So that's my dissertation on what's going on in the economy these days. And uh, that's it, it, which means to say that I am optimistic. And I wish I had bought about... The Tesla shares were a uh, hundred and down to a hundred and two dollars, the lowest they've ever been, uh, about a month ago. And you know, for a hundred and two dollars, you could buy a share. So you know, I thought, well, what for a thousand dollars and a thousand and twenty dollars, 
you could buy 10 shares. And today, <laughs> that those 10 shares would be worth uh, $1,000. would be close to being worth uh, almost $2,000 uh, today, in the, just in the short, since the first of the year. A Tesla stock has just gone nuts. And um, regardless of what's being said about Elon Musk and his political or social or all those other things, I do think that there's a ton of FUD out there trying to assail him because he's such a threat to a world economy <laughs> that's been around. And the stock market, he's, you know, it's a, it's a whole different game out there. But anyway, I don't go there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch that one too much, but the stock is going up way, way up. Um, and he reduced the price of his vehicles. They all say it's all on uh, account of uh, less demand. No, the demand's never been more. He's never had a better financial performance as this last uh, year. Yeah, there are some indicators that are not the best, but overall, uh, health-wise, it's like unbelievable. But anyway, um, anyway, let's let's move along before I get too deep in the weeds on that one. <laughs> Let's uh, let's just chew right on into on this day in history. I know you've been. That's why you tune in. <laughs> so uh, this this day this week is a little short. There there were there was not much going on apparently in January. January cannot necessarily be easy, and I will say that because um, we well you know you get all hyped up over the holidays you have this going on that going on new years and you it's a time of thinking about all your friends and who you missed and who you catch up with and who's doing this and who's doing that and and what's going on and then all of a sudden january you hit and all that noise is gone and here you are with yourself <laughs> and your resolutions i heard a resolution i can keep by the way yesterday uh, the resolution was I resolve not to make resolutions. <laughs> I thought, hey, well, I I don't want to be that pitiful, but yeah, um, I think a good resolution is to be kind to myself, to be kind to myself and others. That's a good resolution. That that could bring lots of other good things, and probably in the process help you with your prime resolutions. But I digress. On January 28th, on this day in history, which is today, there's only one incident, one thing. It was People Magazine begins picking its sexiest man alive. That was 85. Wow, that's still going on. 85, 95, 2005, 2015, 30 some odd years. Oh, mine. Mm -hmm. that's a lot of sexy men alive <clears throat> we should do a collage anyway and i digress uh moving along to january 29th thelma houston's don't leave me this way oh what a song begins its 17 week top 40 run and goes on to become a the perennial gay icon or anthem excuse me <laughs> she's the icon the song's the anthem craig yeah okay mm -hmm. that's 1977 I've heard about that in history books. In 1991, Minnesota Governor Arnie Carlson issues an executive order banning sexual orientation discrimination in the public sector in Minnesota. That's in 1991. Hmm. 
Moving right along to January 31, uh, because we didn't have a 29. <laughs> oh, no, wait, we did. Anyway, uh, January 31, 1975, the American Association for the Advancement of Science passes a resolution deploring deploring discrimination in any form against gay men and lesbians. And who did that? The American Association for the Advancement of Sciences. So scientifically speaking, <laughs> they were very supportive. They are, because that's 1975, folks. That's before, I don't know, well, anti-gay was still rampant. I really feel that, anti that the anti-gay thing kind of, what was kind of hidden, you know, kind of not talked about, kind of. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, in 1975, just to proclaim that, that's pretty outrageous. In 1977, Washington, D.C.'s Human Rights Commission fines the Grand Central, a local gay bar, over $6,000 for discrimination against women and African Americans. Whoa. That should be a black guy for the gay community. Hmm. Go, go on. Okay. Now, moving on to February. February. On this day in history, on February 1, Tom of Finland has his first U.S. exhibit at Robert Opel's Fay Way Gallery in San Francisco. How about that? 78, and that's really before he became really super famous. Yeah, and, and there was so much controversy. Was it pornography or was it art? Um, so you go figure, you know. In 1979, a, gay, a gang of teenage boys stands outside Tennessee Williams' home in Key West, Florida, and begins throwing beer cans and firecrackers at the house while chanting, Come out, faggot. Oh, my. The incident is just the latest in a string of bizarre homophobic attacks aimed at the openly gay playwright. Five days later, his dog is kidnapped from his backyard, never to be seen again. Tennessee Williams wrote a stage play call and called Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. <clears throat> and it became a movie years later with some luminary stars. Liz Taylor was in it. Uh, uh, Burl Ives was Big Daddy and several, and Paul Newman. And the story goes, Paul Newman had a very special friend on the football team. <laughs> and, but, he came from a very wealthy family in the South, and Big Daddy was Burl Ives. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. I think it was released in the 50s, like 1958. Uh, but, uh, and so Liz Taylor, she's, she's looking fabulous. And uh, so, so is uh, um, Paul Newman. And <laughs> so they're supposed to get together. And it's a wonderful story. You have to see it. And it's about the wealthy old guy dying and having lots of money and his two sons, one whom is Paul Newman and the other son 
I can't remember who the actor was, but anyway, it's a Tennessee Williams play. And essentially, it's if you read between the lines and you know Tennessee Williams, you know that it's about Paul Newman and his very special friend who you could not really talk about in those days. So the movie had this, to me, had this innuendo. If you went to see the movie and you were, you know, you'd probably thought you'd never met a gay or didn't know who they were, you wouldn't make the connection. But if you were gay and you saw the movie and you could read the innuendo and you could see what it was about, they made it at the end seem like Paul Newman was going to reconcile with Liz Taylor and they were going to live happily ever after. But uh, I think he was just accepting fate. But like that was the thing to do, uh, sadly. Um, but the I, I saw the movie, and um, not when it was first opened, please. <laughs> but many, many years later, and I asked my mother, who was in her 90s, and I said, did you, in your youth, did you ever remember seeing a movie called Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with Liz Taylor? Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And blah, 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 blah. she went on and on and on. And I said, what was that about, Mom? Because <laughs> my mother, she'd raised two, three boys, two of uh, one of which was straight. <laughs> so I thought she would know. And she said, I said, was there a little um, hidden message? Oh, yes, 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 she said. <laughs> she said, well, yeah, everyone kind of knew it. <laughs> I said, okay, well, isn't that interesting? So if you, if you maybe have seen the movie and didn't, didn't realize or haven't seen it, it, it's, it's a fun movie. The, the lines and the dialogue and the very fifties, you know, uh, movie making style. So you gotta, you gotta give it that, but it is in color (laughs) and so it's cat on a hot tin roof, and and the word there is about if the roof, if you're a, essentially, I guess it meant if you're a female and the roof tin roof is too hot for your feet, jump off, you know. And I think that was the message uh, that uh, Tennessee Williams uh, went on. But boy, did I digress on that one. <laughs> but it, hey, it's a great movie. I recommend it if you've got some spare time and you're bored. You want to see a classic uh, that has a really cool story, and it is over the top. And one one last comment about it: they use, they probably overuse it, the word mendacity. And uh, if you look it up, it means the propensity to lie and be untruthful, kind of like our our politicians in they're very mendastic in Washington. <laughs> but it mendacity, and there's a line where Burl Ives says to his son, whom he loves. He loves Paul Newman, which he should, better than his other straight son who has a propensity to pop, to have a lot of children (laughs) with his wife, of course. Um, But he loves him more, I think, a lot more than anyone in the family. But he can't understand why his son is not attracted to, rightfully so, this beautiful woman who is Liz Taylor. But anyway, the word, he says, I can't stand the mendacity. And so I said, oh, I got to look that word up. And so, so it's a good, that's the word for today, mendacity and mendastic. And so, yeah, um, like George 
who is that uh, the guy that got elected to Congress who says, um, um, well, I'm not, I may have dressed in drag, but I'm not a drag queen. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm, uh, I not Jew, Jewish. I'm Jewish. <laughs> wow. I can't stand his mundacity. <laughs> But I digress. Boy, I really went on on that one. So that was the that was the story. Tennis about Tennessee Williams. Too bad they they kidnapped his dog and 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 in and Key West, Florida. Really, that's <clears throat> such a um, colorful <laughs> location, as they say. Okay, and on the last item on <laughs> on this day in history. Boy, I'm wearing this one out. 1980, Paul Schrader's American Gigolo. I remember this. I, I remember seeing it years later. Um, of course, opens nationwide. Though rather homophobic, Richard Gere's lead character states that he doesn't do fags. I remember that, and I'm thinking, oh, does he just have to say, it's like using the N-word. Okay, uh, the whole film is steeped with gay aesthetic. Years later, Schrader noted, at the time we were at the apex of the gay movement and all the manifestations, its manifestations, especially in the arts, the influence was everywhere in our fashion, in disco, in the drug scene. It affected what the film's aesthetic was also. All my friends at the time were gay. Well, okay, then why did you put that nasty word in there? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> so <clears throat> while I <laughs> while I cleanse my throat here, <laughs> we're gonna take a a musical break.
That is Boy George and his remake of <clears throat> Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? Reminds me of a time when I got hurt and wrecked my car. <laughs> and that was playing on the stereo, by the way. On my, uh, <clears throat> yeah. And it was very painful. I digress. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit of news that I, for, I don't know what how it slipped past me but i uh as your laguna beach pride president for the laguna beach community was before city council on tuesday and it was a busy week at city council i think i, I think maybe i someone may need to correct me but i think it was the first city council meeting with the new uh with bob whalen back as mayor and sue kemp as mayor pro tem and our new city council altogether, it was very exciting to see them going over everything and having some good discussions and, and uh, I don't know, a lot of people, um, it's nice to see that people can show up electronically if they want. It's very convenient because they've learned that uh, it's a result of COVID. So uh, you learn to integrate technology <laughs> for the power of convenience which is really nice. So a lot of people had things to say, and it was very it was very well mannered and very professional, and uh, very courteous between council members. There was none of this uh, old stuff that was going back and forth that was uh, say less than um, pleasant. <laughs> there were true pleasantries going back and forth, might I say? So I was there. Why? Because they had on the agenda item number nine, if you've looked at the agenda before city council, and item number nine was regarding a lifeguard tower, a specific lifeguard tower for West Street Beach with a specific color scheme, as uh, as is this program, a rainbow. <laughs> so we uh, were so very fortunate that the city voted unanimously to... Uh, um, have one of the lifeguard towers. They're, I think they're purchasing six for uh, the beaches in uh, Laguna Beach. They're taking them back from the county. So um, the county has run the beaches, and now that the city is is going to take them back and manage them uh, themse- ourselves, I guess, uh, that uh, they've appraised the life and safety issues, and they feel that they need six lifeguard towers to really... Uh, monitor and safely provide an, a beach spaces for everyone. Uh, and in that, they purchased one of the purchased ones. They said uh, they would support it at being uh, festooned <laughs> with uh, the rainbow colors. And it's expensive. It's not because it has to uh, weather the weather <laughs> and and it can't just throw some paint on canvas on it, you know, and expect it. So we had two generous people in the community donate $10,000. I'll give you more information about it later, but they wanted to keep their name kind of private. Um, and we respect that. But so they donated $10,000 uh, that are thinking it will probably cost less, but up to $10,000 to have one of the lifeguard towers like Venice Beach that's done it and uh, Long Beach and Hermosa Beach. Uh, I don't know. There's, I miss, I'm leaving one out. But several beaches have done the Rainbow Tower. And mo- no, most notably Long Beach has one very prominent one. 
uh, it had a history of, of vandalism, but it got re-resurrected and it's had a been clear sailing for quite a while now. Anyway, it makes sense that Laguna Beach should also be on that within that group. And I am so pleased that I, I chimed in uh, at the city council meeting to thank the city council for being so supportive. And let's be clear, I, the rainbow is not about, oh, here I am, I'm gay, I'm, you know, aren't I lovely? No. It is, the colors represent the diversity of our culture, and not just the gay culture, but the culture of the world. All the colors of the world, all the colors of the rainbow represent the multitude of cultures in our world. And it's about diversity and embracing diversity and that's the message. And I think for Laguna Beach, that is so important to put that out there, especially, especially when there's so much rhetoric going on about there, out there about uh, less than friendly <laughs> rhetoric uh, to some uh, cultural, uh, lately, uh, lately the Jewish uh, community, but all, all kinds of communities that get marginalized for various reasons. So, that's what it's about, accepting of diversity and the power of diversity. Uh, and the rainbow colors re reflect that. And I'm just so glad that Laguna Beach is participating in that. Um, it will be at West Street Beach or Camel Point, as it's referred to, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. So um, along with, um, on the city council agenda, they... Uh, they talked about uh, St. Catherine, uh, I guess the church in the community that they recently purchased. I think it was for 30, 36 million or 26 million. Anyway, it's part of the city and, and <clears throat> there's a lot of topic about what to do with it to <clears throat> for the city to utilize it, which I think is really cool. But I, and they're, so they're doing some short term allow allowing the use of it like the basketball court and a few things that you know while they look at the big picture and try to de to decide what the long-term and most sensible use of it is for the city as an amenity to the city but i have an idea and i want to share it with my listeners because i think it's a, a good idea um what if uh if you go to village laguna there's a list of the nonprofits in the city now, officially, there's about 500 and some odd nonprofit organizations within the city. But the ones in the city that are most, um, I guess, active in the community, there's probably, <clears throat> I'd say there's probably around 100, maybe 125, maybe more, maybe 150. <clears throat> I may be wrong. Maybe I, I didn't count them on uh, Visit Lagunas. I noticed that, I'm not Visit Laguna, but... Uh, Village Laguna, and I noticed that it was a couple years old, their list, so there may be, and Laguna Beach Pride wasn't listed on it, by the way. So, <clears throat> I know that there's probably some that were missed on the list. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, um, let's just say, for the sake of argument, there's 200 plus um, and 500 total nonprofits. Now, a lot of these nonprofits are on very small budgets, don't have a lot of money. That's why they're nonprofits. <laughs> but they do charitable things, like maybe uh, uh, the Laguna Pantry certainly is one, or the Laguna um, uh, 
the, uh, what is it, the homeless shelter, and I can't think of the name off the top of my head. But all those nonprofits. <clears throat> uh, another one is uh, is Laguna Live, which does music all over the community. All these small nonprofits on budgets don't often don't have meeting spaces or a place to have uh, a meeting among their board members. So I'm suggesting, what if three of the classrooms at this facility, just say we took that three were taken, and they were identified as boardrooms. So they had the appropriate, you know, amenities for a boardroom. You know, maybe a maybe a longer table that could be put there and maybe some AV equipment, I don't know, and uh, chairs, not much, just the basics, you know, but three of them were designated and they were on a first come first serve basis. You have to be a, a current nonprofit based in Laguna Beach. That's the only requirement. Uh, and you, and they would be only vetted by first come first served and and the time slot. So what would happen is that you could maybe sign up online to reserve that space for your business meeting. I know uh, Laguna Canyon Conservancy often goes to restaurants and there's noise and there's interruptions or they go to someone's house and everyone has like where are the, where's this person's house? Uh, what's the address? excuse me and Laguna Beach Pride we don't have uh, a meeting space it would be a wonderful thing to the community and from the city to say we support our nonprofits within our community that support the community and uh, we're we're doing it in a way that um, allows them to be more organized and uh, be and have a space to help them stay organized um, so that's my suggestion and you know, the rooms, three, if it, there's, I know there's classrooms there, but if there were just three classrooms or three office spaces that were appropriate, I think that would probably accommodate all the boardroom meetings that we would have for all the nonprofits in. And if it's not enough, maybe a, a couple more. And if it's too many, then, you know, slice one off. But I think that would be a good start. That's my suggestion. So I guess I should put it in writing before the city. But if you'll vote for me, <laughs> anyway, I had that had came to mind after my meeting, uh, joining the city council this week at their uh, council meeting. Now, on some other news that I kind of skipped over, uh, I, well, it's time for the regular news. The Pope, I always like to... Uh, discuss that a little bit uh, whoops a little bit <laughs> oh my um <clears throat> i had some dysfunction there the pope said this week that being gay should not be illegal and i assume that being gay includes having gay sex but it's still a sin but it should not be illegal which i thought you know i kind of like that <laughs> And coincidentally, um, there's this uh, there is change coming to the world. There's another news article here that says on an international level, where change is coming for the LGBTQ rights around the world. 
It says, if progress in 2022 is anything to go by, there's a reason to be optimistic about the global direction of travel when it comes to same-sex relationships, LGBT campaigners say. In the second half of the year, there was a flurry of movement to decriminalize same-sex intimacy in Singapore, St. Kitts, Nevis, Barbados, Antigua, and Barbuda. There were some of the last holdouts among countries whose histories of colonial era <laughs> laws prohibiting such activity. It feels like something of a tipping point, says uh, Neela Goshal, Senior Director of Law Policy and Research for the Global Advocacy NGO Outright International. Such developments allow us to really say that there is a global norm that same-sex intimacy should not be criminalized. So that is a huge, huge undercurrent, I think. And maybe <clears throat> maybe the Pope read about it. <laughs> but anyway, it coincides with, with what the Pope is saying. Uh, and I thought, well, I need to meld those two news articles together because they certainly, they certainly make sense. So I'm unanimous in that. <laughs> As I should be. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now I've got my the, the rest of the news here, and I'm I just the next one I look up is this George Santos again. Santos, who lauded Florida's "Don't Say Gay" bill. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he'll dress up in drag, but he doesn't think you should say gay. And but he's not a drag queen. He just dressed up in drag. Anyway, uh, let's see what it says. <laughs> embattled, embattled George Santos, who's, who has aligned himself with far-right Republicans who have pushed anti-LGBTQ policies, has denied reports that he performed as a drag queen years ago in Brazil. <laughs> the most recent obsession from the media claiming that I am a drag queen or performer as a drag queen is categorically false. Well, there's been sure been a lot of pictures of it. Santos, who's facing uh, calls to resign over a string of lies and exaggerations about his background, wrote on Twitter Thursday. The, the media continues to make outrageous claims about my life while I'm working to, to deliver results. The freshman representative who was sworn into Congress this month has admitted to embellishing some details regarding his background but has refused to step down despite calls from members of his own party. I think it's beyond embellishing because um, there's written definitive documentation of false uh, statements. I think it's, I, I don't think it's manufactured. I think there's definitive. And I think, um, <clears throat> I think that, his financial support is uh, something that really needs to be looked at. Like, where did uh, all this um, five? Well, he supposedly gave put five hundred thousand of his personal money into his campaign. So, I think there should be a follow the money situation. Uh, that's what I think. But anyway, okay, <clears throat> moving on. I think that that one, George Santos, is a thing. We'll see what happens. I think there'll be some 
some things that will come up in the future and it's going to play itself out. And I don't know. We'll see. Next, reviled, reclaimed, and respected the history of the word queer. We've had this conversation before. Recently, a number of people have questioned the, and or critiqued the use of the word queer to describe LGBTQ, LGBTIQA plus folk. Uh, one writer to The Guardian claimed that the word Q, the Q word was a derogatory and offensive as the N word and should not be used. I think uh, <clears throat> the word that rang, rhymes with rag and begins with an F is much more offensive and is, but anyway, uh, while there is a clear uh, history of the word being used in aggressive and insulting ways, the meanings and the uses of queer have never been singular, simple, or stable. Hmm. The origin of the word queer. Uh, queer is a word of uncertain origin that had entered the English language by the early 16th century when it was primarily used to mean strange, odd, peculiar, or eccentric. So um, is that what the gays are all about, being strange, odd, peculiar, eccentric i like eccentric but the rest i could say i don't think so anyway by the 19th century it was being used uh, uh used colloquy to refer to same-sex attracted men while the usage was frequently derogatory queer was simultaneously used in neutral and affirming ways okay I suppose the N-word was used in neutral and affirming ways at some point. I don't know. The examples provided the Oxford, uh, in the Oxford English Dictionary show this uh, semantic range included instances of homosexual men, men using queer as positive self-description at the same time as it was being used in the most insulting terms. I still have it. I don't know. I guess it got into my DNA because I just did not like the word. Okay. So, more news. As they say, this is good news. Hundreds of backpacks delivered to homeless LGBTQ youth. How about that? Hundreds, hundreds of them. Good news in San Diego, in our own country, are there homeless LGBTQ? You bet your your daughter, Bob, you, you you bet there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, in San Diego, volunteers made 700 backpacks with essential items for homeless LGBTQ Youth Sunday. Wow, I think that is fantastic. Each pack had things like shampoo, gloves, and hats. San Diego Human Rights Campaign. Does this giveaway every year around MLK Day of Service? Organizers say it is necessary to support the LGBTQ youth. A large percentage of our homeless youth are here in San Diego are from the LGBTQ plus community, said Lane Rick- Rackley with the San Diego Human Rights Campaign. They've been ostracized or shut off from their homes. It still goes on, folks. Volunteers delivered the backpacks. Uh, to three local facilities at 3 p.m. on Sunday. 
These facilities were San Diego Youth Services, Youth in Transition, and Street Angels. That is so great. That is good news. How about that? <laughs> the bad news is that they're there. The good news is that the HRC has orchestrated a response to it. And, and I'm unanimous in that. <laughs> so... Then we have Missouri. <clears throat> I worked for a corporation for 11 years based out of Missouri. And one day, someone at the home office discovered that I was that word. <laughs> I won't say it. <laughs> that I was gay. And um, remarkably, my employment ended. I became redundant, as they say in the UK. After 11 years, uh, well, what can you say? So that's Missouri. That's my reference to Missouri. Let's see what's going on in Missouri. For State Senator Greg Razor, the only openly gay member of the Missouri Senate, it's been painful to watch his colleagues file an onslaught of bills that have attacked his community. I have read about him. I've, I've watched a, him speak before the Senate in Missouri, and it was oh, tore my heart out. He worries about LGBTQ kids in Missouri. He goes on, it hurts because I was 17 years old. I was a 17-year-old suicidal gay kid. I know what that pain feels like and that it hurts. Razor, a Kansas City Democrat, told the Star, what I have to do is make sure that these kids are not out there that are out there and their parents and the people that love them know that somebody in the Senate is standing up for them. They may not be able to stop everything, but there's going to be a fight. Missouri lawmakers have filed the most anti-LGBTQ bills in any state, according to a database from the American Civil Liberties Union that tracks legislation nationwide. That's so not just Florida, folks. The legislation is a sign that conservatives, conservatives targeting LGBTQ issues are emboldened as the states have successfully passed legislation aimed at restoring or restricting gay and transgender rights. I'm not going to visit Missouri for a while. <laughs> Lovely Branson, Missouri. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I am about out of time. Where's it going? I got about a minute left, folks. So, KXFM 104.7. This is Rainbow Radio. Craig on Rainbow Radio here every Saturday morning. Um, I, I look to see what's going on in, in Laguna Beach today. I couldn't find anything. I'm sorry um, that I don't know. Maybe someone could dial in to me and let me know uh, i have one last news item though i could i could get to in this last minute um it's in north dakota they want to imprison librarians for not removing lgbtq books how about that one that reminds me i'm trying to get these guys that have the the gay book mobile in protest of all they haven't responded to my message. I'm going to have to send Guido to go talk to him. Uh, it's um, 
it these two guys out of Texas uh, are fundraising to get $150,000 so they can take their gay mobile this summer, gay their gay library bus across the nation and uh, have books for uh, the gay community. And I think it's, uh, they're serious. Very serious. It's a, it's a very serious, it's a, it's a serious deal. It's, it's there. It's going to happen. So I reached out to them with a, with a, a message and they haven't responded so that would be a good, I think the bus should go to North Dakota. They can't arrest them. They're not librarians in North Dakota, right? They don't work for the state or the county or the school system. They could have their bookmobile. Go down to the city capital in North Dakota. <laughs> oh, my. I, I, but I am bad. Uh, let's get to the article. The Republican lawmakers in North Dakota have introduced a bill that would jail librarians for keeping books on their shelves that include images depicting gender identity or sexual orientation. How about that? Well, sexual orientation, I guess that could be heterosexual orientation. Isn't that sexual orientation? Hmm. House Bill 1205 introduced a, by Republican state reps make left for and Mike Leffer and Vicki Steiner would, would prohibit books to public libraries that include images of sexual activity, including sexual intercourse. The bill would also ban books that are sexually explicit and includes under that vague terminology any books with images related to gender identity or LGBTQ themes, topics that are not considered sexually explicit by most legal definitions. And there you have it, Craig, KXFM 104.7, Laguna Beach's only FM radio, signing off with Rainbow Radio. Have a fabulous week. Uh, the weather is going to be on and off with sun, so grab as much as you can. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll be back again next week. Love you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.